You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network. It is I, your amazing host Rossi, to bring you some Survivor coverage. Yes, believe it or not, we still talk about that show here. Um, even though Ben, Colin, and Billy, and who else don't want to talk about it anymore, we're still here. We're gonna talk about it, and I am joined by an amazing guest. Australian Survivors contestant from Season 7, Jared Lupix. Thank you. It's uh, good to be back, and the preparation is in full swing for uh, my <laughs> debut in three years' time. <laughs> is that what it's going to be? Yeah. Oh, gosh. you got to get ready. I know. I know. Cutting it, cutting it fine. <laughs> yeah. Time is running out, um, but I'm sure you'll be ready. I'm sure you'll be ready in time for that, and then when all, eventual All-Star season, you'll be ready to go again. Yeah, for my back-to-back appearances. Yeah, 55 days back-to-back or whatever it is now. Uh, We're not here to talk about Australian Survivor. We're here to talk about a nice 39-day season of U.S. Survivor. We're here to talk about David vs. Goliath, season 37. Who knew we'd be here many years later to talk about Survivor, but we're still here. I guess let's just kind of start with general thoughts. What were your kind of general thoughts since I think you were here on the mid-recap, so like kind of that wrap-up, post-merge kind of stuff? Um, I think it just kind of continued to get better. I feel like we talked kind of right after the Elizabeth boot, maybe. Um, so then it was kind of like, where's this season going to go? Are we going to get these like cross-tribal alliances that they were talking about on the beach, which didn't really happen, um, but then we got just amazing vote-outs anyway. So um, I think kind of, it was kind of the season that kept on giving um, and it was just kind of full steam ahead the whole way through. Uh, I think it kind of went from strength to strength week to week. Yeah, it definitely built up a lot. I think we got pretty, somewhat pretty predictable eliminations early on. Maybe like, I think one blindside at all, like that really shocked us in the pre-merge. And then after that, it was kind of a big, you know, swing. It kept picking up and there's different things and advantages and twists and, you know, gameplay and everything kind of all these alliances and it just kind of built, um, one thing that I did think was interesting, you were talking about those, um, what was it, the cross-tribal or whatever it was that mm. blended in, and someone actually, I saw someone tweet it, I don't remember who it was, but I saw it on Twitter, someone said that they liked it, they showed it, because this is something that normally doesn't make the cutting, you know, the, the aired show about why these alliances don't work out. This time we actually saw that it just didn't work out. So many times those scenes don't make it, because it doesn't play into the story, but this time they decided to actually show it, and I thought that was an interesting point that we got to see this kind of like kind of throwaway footage that normally wouldn't make it, but it was interesting to see how it shaked up the game or mm, could definitely. have shaked up the game. I guess I'll, let's just talk big picture and then we can get into the nitty gritty first. Um, thoughts of our newest winner and how his gameplay kind of stacked up against some of the other people. Um, yeah, I thought he was a quality player. I think as a winner, he's interesting just because um, of how his story evolved um, whether or not kind of he was actually ever in danger of being the first boot or not, um, it's kind of up in the air, but as kind of the show presented, it seemed like he was kind of maybe a secondary option, uh, if they had gone to tribal that first time. So in a way it's kind of, it's kind of that almost like Chris story of this person who so easily could have been the first person out in, in a different scenario and then does manage to get all the way to the end. And I think it was good. I mean, he did have that immunity run at the end, but that was exciting. It would have been even better if the fire making wasn't in there. Uh, um, that's a completely different point entirely. 
But I just think overall, he was just an interesting player and how his relationships changed with people, kind of like the Nick Christian bond and how that fell apart. I just thought um, that, yeah, he just played really well and kept all his options open throughout, uh, which I think was just really smart gameplay. One thing that came up a lot in the season, I mean, I definitely agree. I think that Nick was, I think, a fair, you know, winner. I wasn't too upset about the ending. I think there was a lot of good gameplay he had there and a lot of um, strategies that worked pretty well for him. I think that one thing that worked really well is that he played to the season. I think he played to what was given. Sometimes we see people so bogged down in trying to set a strategy, you know, regardless of what's going on around them, that it just kind of messes them up. I think we talked a lot about Jeremy being that kind of player. I feel like he was so set in what he was going to do that he didn't think about all the other kind of elements. And I think Nick did that well. So kind of jumping into that, what are we had so many twists this season, I felt like more I felt like we had more than last season, even though last season was supposed to be all these twists at Ghost Island and how is it gonna shake up the game? But we had so many this season I felt like we had the nullifier, we had idols galore, we had extra advantages. I just felt like at one point it got so crazy, especially when they were you know, that swing of Dan. No, John, Dan, Alec, all these people getting voted out after like twist and twist and idol and idol. It just felt got so chaotic, and I don't know, for me that detracted, I don't know if you felt the same way about it. Um, in a way, I think it was helpful that everything kind of got played at once, in a way, which could have been disastrous and horrible, um, a la Game Changers. Um, but I think it was kind of nice at that point in time, with kind of like the Dan boot, to like for everything to be like flushed out at that point. Because it was kind of becoming that thing of like trying to keep track of who has what and idols were all over the map. And as you said, like advantages as well. And you just are thinking, are we heading for another game changer situation down the track where we do get to the final six or the final five and everybody's immune and somebody's just going home by default. So I almost think it was kind of bad production decisions to put in so many advantages, but they kind of got out of that hole with them all being played kind of in that perfect storm scenario for the Dan vote. I can't even like keep track of how what there was. There was we had what was there was the nullifier that Dan uh, not Dan Carl had. Nick stole a vote, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. Christian had an idol at one point. Davy had an idol at another point. Uh Davy got another idol at some point, right? Like do we feel like there were too many idols this season? Because I thought there were, like, don't get me wrong, I love the season. Like, I think the season was pretty good. I just think that there were so many things that I just, I couldn't even keep track. Yeah, I would agree. I think there, there was too many. I feel like they just keep re-hiding idols at the merge um, and have kind of changed their tack from, I feel like it kind of used to be if there was one idol left and it was played at the merge, then okay, we'll re-hide an idol. But at this season, it felt like, there were so many pre-merge idols still in play, and then maybe one pre-merge idol was played, and so then they would hide, like, another, like, at the merge camp. Like, it felt like there was always, like, at least three idols in play, and it kind of was like, why are they re-hiding idols at this point when there still is so many in play? I feel like in past seasons it has been kind of the stock standard. There's one at each beach, and then there's one at the merge tribe, and then when we kind of get down to, like, no idols left, um, then we'll rehide another one at the merge camp. It just felt like they kept replenishing when there was no need um, this season. Well, a trend that I've noticed in you know recent since I would say since um, ah, Triple H was the like high, it hides and then like the night the, like the production come in at night and it's hidden again. So by the morning it's there. Mm. Like Ben, we saw that with Ben. Like he played it, got to go look for the other one, and that was his whole story. And then that seemed to. Ha- kind of go away a little bit because of Ghost Island. 
But then it came back this season where all the Davids at one point, all five of them were out looking in that morning of after Dan played it or whoever, you know, it was just immediately back out again. Wasn't there also, like, uh, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but they definitely pulled, like, the whole Ghost Island, like, game of chance at one point as well, didn't they? Was that with Alec, maybe? Yeah, I know that def- that game like where you, like, gamble. Somebody, your... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that definitely came out. bets thing. I don't know who it was, but, like, that kind of felt like it was, like, unnecessary at that point in time. I was like, why have they kind of bought back this game of chance randomly? That felt like more of, like, an Australian survivor thing in a way, because they'll always have, like, something is at the end of the beach, um, where it just has to be somebody's just walking up the beach, and then they find this game of chance. Um, <laughs> a char candy. Yeah, which just, it's really weird. Um, I, don't know, but I don't know. And then Nick, didn't Nick, was it Nick had that, like, task where he had to go off in the night? <sighs> yes. Yeah, yeah, Nick, like, got, I remember he was, like, he had to sneak out of camp in the middle of the night to go somewhere. Yeah, that may be one of my, like, least favorite, like, idol-finding, like, tactics that they use. Just for the sake that Jeff has gone on record and said, like, if somebody else noticed the fire, they wouldn't be able to, like, go get that idol. I was like, he's like, no, the person has to have a clue to be able to go and get it, which I think is stupid. Like, if somebody has noticed that there's a fire in the middle of the forest (laughs) uh, and and follows it to find an idol, I think, like, more game to them, let them have it. Yeah, and they start a fire because someone can't get the idol. Like, also, then that thing you were talking about is such a gimme, like because there's no challenge to it. You just find, you just just it's the given. Like you're like you get yeah. the clue, and then you're automatically given it. I did like that um, Angelina, the one that the idol or the advantage, whatever the specific thing that she needed to find was, is that she found oh, it. Yeah, but the like there was a the ladder. yeah, yeah. She had to had to do something to get the idol. Like she had to climb the rock wall. She climbed it too much, but there was something to it. Like, whereas I feel like the, the you know, what Nick had to do, or the game of chance that someone had to play, is kind of just simple. I, uh, I feel like we've never seen like a big consequence for the yeah, wake up in the middle of the night, go and find it, or the other one where the idol is hidden under the middle of the shelter. Like in theory, I think that they believe that they're interesting things, and oh, there's a chance that the person's going to get caught, but we've seen it how many times now, and like nobody's ever been caught in that situation. Yeah, it's some, it's one of those things that people just don't really care if that late at night kind of thing. I think the only time I would say that there was some significance in terms of that like late night quest, which really wasn't a late night quest, but Australian Survivor when Ziggy had to go do that thing, Mm-hmm. And like she came back and lied about whatever power she had. Yes, yeah. And like it was like people were like suspicious of her. You know that that kind of air of like people knew about it, so like she had to be cautious of what she said and did and everything like that. I think if they add more layers to some of these things, they could be a little bit more interesting to how they you know, kind of work out. I think I guess I would say the biggest issue is that it's kind of been quantity, not quality. We've just been so yes, yeah. overwhelmed. It's been thing after thing after thing, and we're just kind of like okay, at what point are we going to, like, find, like, have a challenge or, like, some sort of, like, dilemma or something like that? Yeah, I just think, like, things have changed so much. Like, and remember the times when people had to have multiple clues to find an idol. Like, that just doesn't happen anymore. That's not a thing. I mean, and to their defense, it. there's not many places that you can hide it that would need, like, people just spend hours looking and they can find it. Yeah, I, so I suppose it's a bit of a different situation. But still, I would like to see... At some point, which like it's not ever going to happen again, but multiple clues because the first clue is so vague that like it would take a genius to find it type of thing. 
Um, one thing that I did like this season that they did try out was um, at the merge, they had that little plaque that said, everything you need is right here or something like that. And it showed like the picture of the tree where eventually Nick or Davey or Carl or whoever the hell found that advantage. So I thought that that was a really neat twist. I remember seeing people talk about it online. They're like, oh, that's really cool. Like this, why wasn't anyone looking at this? And they showed it multiple times and it was, I think that was just like a kind of very simple, like it didn't plan out the way they had hoped, but it was a really cool way of kind of introducing the twist that they wasn't like at the table. Yeah, I think that stuff is interesting too because it gets like the viewers involved. Like the fact yeah, that people like were savvy enough to notice search. that online and kind of it becomes this thing of like, is this intentional? Isn't it intentional? And then people were like screenshotting like pictures of like the beach and like, oh, look, this tree looks exactly the same. I think that's interesting. That was similar to. I think Millennials versus Gen X, where I was saying like the first letter of every word spelt something out in one of their, I think that was just like a similar time around like the merge feast. Yeah, I think that's a fun way to play with the idols and going forward too, like the more kind of it happens, the more people are like looking for that type of thing. Um, So I think you create kind of more interesting scenarios um, with that type of clue. Despite the fact that I think we're getting many advantages and idols and clues and everything like that, I do think they learn from the mistakes. Because I think they've kind of done away with the advantage or idol or clue or something at the, t- the merge feast. Because I think ever since, like, you know, that whole issue in Gabon where they threw out the cl- idol, like, they ha- we haven't seen that. Like, unless I'm wrong. I mean, that's like 20 seasons of time. But I I don't think we've really seen a, like, specific thing at the table where someone's like, oh, I got the, you know, the advantage right here. Like, that's kind of gone away. And I think they've kind of changed it up in how they deliver it. So I think that there's a lot of merit in that. Yeah, I... I agree. I feel like they've learned that or was that whole kind of blood versus water thing with like the clues that like the jewel, like if people know you have a clue, it puts a target on your back. Like you're going to kind of come to that consensus to just get rid of it. So I think they've learned that it is better if, if it's hidden or placed in a way that only one person is going to find the clue to then kind of go on that idol hunt. Or in other ways, incorporate it in a different kind of, you know, the, I think the whole challenge thing that they did, in Cambodia was cool. Like it's at the challenge. You got to find the idol there or the clue there. And then that kind of came up later on or um, the way they did it in the second New Zealand season with that sort of challenge arena or whatever it was called where people found clues there. And like, you know, you could, you got it. Only one person got it, but like another person could see you get it. So there was like issues with that. And then you could talk about it maybe. So I think that there's clever ways to do. Yeah, I think there's no kind of end to the way that they can, hopefully keep kind of reinventing how they deal with idols because i think what wasn't it like what the first 12 days that dan had two idols or something yeah that was early on yeah like so i think it's like obvious that they're going to be found at this point i think like yeah i can't remember a season where there wasn't like at least two on the game at one point like in recent memory can you i feel like yeah maybe post like heroes vs villains has kind of never been like a scenario where at least like two are in play I think you kind of almost have to go back to, I don't even know, like Micronesia or something, where there's just the one that's hidden on Exile Island. Jeez, that's a 10-year challenge. Like, mm. I think we agree that there's maybe too many, but I think that it also provides a great season. Like, I think that we got a lot of drama of the whole that whole Dan-John tribal council setup. I think that we got so much drama and so much interesting stuff coming from that. You know, it's it's great entertainment. We're not upset in any way, <laughs> just to clear the air on that. I guess overall, just one more thing on the season overall, What were your, who were your kind of favorites? I know we talked early on pre-merge. 
who were the people you liked pre-merge and did that change as you went into the post-merge um pretty much i think i was kind of a fan of like well not all of them but some of the <laughs> everyone who went out like i feel like natalie was a big loss but i think we talked about um in like kind of the mid-season recap that it was probably kind of the right time for her to go in terms of her like playing out her character her value as a character and then like i mean i just it was one of those seasons where i didn't like not like anybody i feel like everybody had something to bring to the table and characters who were invisible who i feel like allison like we talked about like pre-merge like who is she like she at least got some kind of storyline like towards the end even if it was just that annoying kind of typical like will i won't i flip oh no i'm not going to flip story which we've seen play out like so many times i think everybody was interesting and I was kind of invested in everybody. I think personal favorites, probably Christian and Davey, but I, there was nobody who I was actively like, I want this person to go home. Like they need to um, go home now, which is interesting because normally you kind of, you almost want that antagonistic character who you're rooting against to kind of keep your interest. But this season really didn't have that, but it worked regardless because I think everybody um, was really fleshed out and brought something to the table. Agreed. Uh, I do have to say I'm a very big fan of Gabby, which I mentioned earlier, but we have to mention again because she's great. Um, Yeah, Allison was very weird this season. I think we talked a lot in the episode that we did earlier. It was like, she's going to be the breakout star. She's going to have so much going on because she was such a key player at that time. You know, cross-tribal lines, you know, talking to everyone. And then her entire game was based off this indecisiveness that we've seen so many times by players before. I do want to run a theory by you that I've been thinking about this kind of Allison type player and I want to see if it make if you if it resonates with you. So I think that the people that are really smart, like so smart, go to high, really good schools, they're very smart, they spend time, you know, studying books and this and that and everything, tend to be like the worst decision makers in the game. And the reason that I think this is Allison was a very smart one. She's trained. She is or will be a doctor, you know, studied a lot, but didn't make many decisive moves in the game. She made friendships. She made alliances. She made small things, but she never made anything massive. And then I think back to last season and I think about Laurel, the same kind of person, really smart, studies at best universities, et cetera, et cetera. Really smart. Did the same thing. Didn't really make any big decisive decision. I feel like we could track that back to other people too, but those were just kind of the immediate two that come to my mind. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's almost like they get too much in their head. Um, I would say they like overanalyze the situation. Yeah, that is an interesting parallel because it that it was they were similar throughout. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know kind of what the takeaway of that is. I think yeah, they just they're almost too intellectual in that they think about kind of all the possibilities, and I think that thinking about all the potential flack that, that they could get for a move and like is this going to put me into a better position is it not like what's my what effect does this have on jury votes and relationships moving forward I think it almost makes them more hesitant to make a move whereas somebody who is more kind of I suppose more like impulsive in their everyday life kind of just does what they want to do doesn't really have so much of like a planned set out kind of career path or life is probably more able to just like roll with the punches and just make a move for the sake of it and is just interested in having fun and seeing kind of how this plays out. I think they're more likely to not worry about the consequences or deal with the consequences later um, than somebody who is looking at every angle of a situation. 
I mean, it's definitely interesting to see. I'm curious to see if that's going to, a trend that's coming up. I mean, we always, it's a trend in reality TV that once you have like a good cast, you try to replicate that, you know, right off the success of Borneo, you could probably see that you know, some of the Australian Outback cast, very similar, you know, you'd see the parallels between some of the people. So I'm curious to see if this is one of those kinds of trends that happens. So I guess kind of just wrapping on general thoughts of the season and stuff, I think um, takeaways that I have are maybe less idols or advantages or if they're going to be a lot, maybe make new ones. Like I think the idol nullifier was a really interesting twist. I mean, we we, saw, we kind of saw it already in the Australian season, but it's still like a fun twist. And I think that the U.S. did a little bit differently with not knowing if it was going to work or not, whereas the Australian was like, it works with the idol. I think it was tight gameplay. I think that a lot of t- times people say, oh, I think everyone's in it to win it. I felt like the season was kind of one of those times where a lot of people really came to the plate to play. Another thought that I thought was interesting was that um, the airtime was very consistent, I felt like. Like, it was pretty even throughout. I felt like last season we got heavy between the two boys and then Donathan and then everyone else kind of fell apart from there. Whereas this season I felt it was very consistent. I don't know if that's just me. Was that your read of it? No, I think you're right. I think that was kind of the major strength of the season, um, especially yeah, coming off Ghost Island. I felt it was just so much more up in the air on what would happen. Maybe it's different if you watch it back knowing the result. Um, but definitely at the time, it felt like there were so many different ways that it could go, whereas Ghost Island kind of always felt from the amount of screen time like that one of these two is like our winner here. It was kind of unless it like they pull like a San Juan del Sur and like these guys go out back to back randomly, one of them is, is going to win the show, which is eventually what happened. Yeah, I think they did the way they had, I guess last season was such a tricky thing with the tie vote that they had to make it so even that either one could win, that it was going to be one of them. And like, there was a, it was a nail biter to the end kind of thing. Whereas this season they were like, well, it was a landslide vote, not landslide or almost kind of all in vote that they had to like mask it a bit more and give everyone a bit airtime from the quick stat pull up. I did the, the confessional counters now, cause I was curious to see how close it was. Um, may or may not be accurate, but Angelina was the winner with 54 and then Nick was on 53 Mike had 47, I think Christian has 39, people have 33, 34, so it's pretty close all around. You know, I think obviously there are people who have less than 10 and stuff, but those are the early boots and stuff. But I think it was a pretty consistent kind of confessional count from this one post that I'm seeing. What was cool too was like the challenge winners for like individual immunity. Because until you get to Nick's kind of run of three at the end, it's like all different people winning, which is really cool to see that there's no kind of well, that the challenges just were so, like, evenly contested amongst people. Yeah, I don't think that the, I mean, the challenges were repeats from several seasons past, but I think they were interesting to watch this season. I think that we had a lot of drama with that this season, surprisingly, as well. Mm, a couple of um, Australian Survivor challenges thrown in, too, which was good to see. Yeah, we got some interesting showdowns, too. That whole Christian and Alec showdown earlier in the season when Christian just talked for hours. <laughs> like, I think we got some really great, stuff through all those challenges despite you know not being brand new inventive kind of ways of doing it but i think it was pretty fun the way that they handled it i think it was just overall it was a fun season and i think that i would enjoy it and i think the finale was pretty interesting i think that it unfortunately the fire making twist is the big downside of it but i think that it ended on a pretty decent note yeah i feel like there was a lot happening which is almost counterpoint to what we've kind of got before I think like the Davy vote was interesting. The Allison vote was kind of made interesting by Angelina's whole fake idol 
ploy and whatnot, oh, and mics yeah. kind of flare up at tribal. And then, I mean, fire making is just not interesting whatsoever because now it's all the time, which is a shame because I feel like it was interesting when, like, Final Four, like, is was usually such like a straightforward vote of like take out the threat, but then when you did get fire making just from a normal vote, like in Worlds Apart, that was just so unexpected, um, then it was actually interesting. Whereas now there's just no real suspense when it comes to the final immunity challenge. It's like, well, this isn't do or die, and then the fire making, like, since they brought it in as this final four thing, like, it's been really kind of straightforward and, and not even close between the two people competing. Yeah, it does feel a little forced from what it was. And we've had some interesting showdowns in the final four vote, naturally, that I feel like now yeah. we don't need to force it. And this all became out because of what, David not, not making the final three? Yeah. Pretty much, because it was, what was it, Game Changers? Or was here? No, it was Healers, Healers, Hustlers. That, but they didn't have time to change it for Game Changers. So yeah, it was really mm-hmm. because David didn't make the final four in his season. <laughs> so, speaking of David, I feel like we should move on to the future, unless you have any more blaring comments blaring comments about 37 or final thoughts maybe your final thoughts um, final thoughts it was great this is like how like an all new player season should be and you obviously cannot judge a season based on the theme when you hear it at the time because everybody was kind of bagging out uh and it worked so i'm all for more stupid titles in the future which is a nice segue to uh, <laughs> edge of extinction oh Aren't we excited? We're gonna four of our favorite players are back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we don't know the full cast yet. Obviously, at the time we've recorded this, the cast isn't released unless it is. Is it? It wasn't no. publicly released. Okay, not, offici- um, not officially anyway. Not officially released yet, so we can't obviously can't comment on everyone. But we can comment on the four returning players that have been confirmed. Um, we're seeing next season. We're gonna see Aubrey, David, Joe, and Kelly Wentworth. Come back. Uh, any standouts? Any? Are you excited about any of them? Are you not excited about any? All of them? Like, what's your chance? I feel like I'm most excited to see David back. In, and then in, like, order, probably then Kelly, Aubrey, and then Joe, kind of least of all. What? what? He's not your number one? No. I just think it's interesting that they brought back one person who's one time and then two, three time. Or three, two time. So, like, this is going to be their third time and David's second. I think it's just interesting yes. that they broke it up that way. Um, yeah, it's interesting to me that, yeah, they wouldn't go, like, one or the other. Yeah, or at least half-half or something. Mm, yeah. And I, one thing that really strikes me about this is I've, I'm guessing we're going to have four tribes, maybe, you think? Uh, I think it's only two. Two? I feel like this would be a perfect season to do a four-tribe split, would you it, not? Yeah, I think it's only two because, like, as far as I know, there's only 18 players altogether. Ah, interesting. So it's out of an 18... Like, because we've never had, like a group of four return like when it's returning it's either like half full or like two or well, we had three once but the fact that it's four and we may be getting multiple returnees kind of on the same tribe in this kind of scenario is is interesting yeah i mean it's obviously there's always interesting ways that they could divide it up obviously because we see in the philippines that just because you're alone doesn't mean you're going to be eliminated right away you know mm-hmm. only one person was eliminated before the jury kind of thing so I think it, it could play out interesting. I think depending on how they break it up, it would be interesting. I do hope that they just don't automatically be like put Kelly and Joe together just because they play together. I think that would be yeah. I I feel like they would put like they normally try to purposely separate people apart who've played together as much as possible. Yeah, so I'm I'm guessing Kelly. We're just gonna speculate. Kelly's gonna probably be up with David, and then Aubrey and Joe are gonna be on the same tribe. Which interesting to see. I mean, obviously no, not confirmed at all. 
Um, but I, yeah, I feel like that was a gist from like the intro. Like it looked like Joe and Aubrey are on uh, the Yellow Tribe, and then we just like saw like half a second of of David and Kelly. Which I mean, make of that what you will. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. I I can't remember the intro that well. I barely remember thirty seven. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting. One thing that sh- kind of shocks me is like these are just four random people. Like there's no reason that they brought them back. Mm. Like. The Philippines were the medevacs. Like, this is just returnees. It, or, or am I missing something? Did they say that why they were bringing them back? Or No, there was, there's no, like, okay. thread. Are they contenders? Just... <laughs> or champions? I don't, I don't know. Challengers? Whatever. Like, why? yeah, I agree. I feel like it's kind of an, an odd... Like, you would never put them in, like, like not even in your dream tribe. Like, if you were to... Brant steal this. Like you would never put those four people on a tribe together. I don't understand why they didn't kind of go for a like if they're trying to like go for a whole like redemption theme or I don't I don't know. Like why is it not just all one time players who've kind of just fallen short by like a vote or two? I feel like that is that that to me is more interesting. Well, I mean technically everyone but Joe would fit that because David mm-hmm. just missed out on the final three. Aubrey did the fir- Aubrey just almost just lost her first time. And was in the final five, her second. Mm-hmm. And Kelly was the, just missed out on the final three, her second time. Yeah. Joe's the only one that would not fit within that. I don't know. And that, from what I... But I thought these were, like, going to be captains. I thought they were going to be, like, championing, like, something. I don't know. It's a mess. <laughs> As of, on, at this date that we're recording, it's kind of a mess. But we don't know any details yet, really. Except we do need to talk about the twist that they're proposing, which they haven't quite... Um, officially announced but everything's going to change at the isle of extinction or whatever it's called i think you're not a fan of this from my memory that we've talked about no from what i've read of like how it's going to work which i suppose is kind of all speculation at this point it just i don't understand why they keep coming back to something that people don't like it's it's like a bad outcast twist (sighs) which that worked but like it shouldn't have and this is just worse. Like, they kind of fix it. The people aren't going and staying in a hotel and, like, eating whatever. Do they not know that, pe- like, Redemption Island, like, people hated? Um, the only time it ever kind of kind of worked was Blood versus Water because there was some element of, like, heat to kind of who would win. There was, like, an emotional pull to it. Um, but they just, I just hate how they bring people back in so late. I'm not so much against people, like, not kind of, returning or having a shot to have again like ideally no like that wouldn't be an option but if it is i hate that like it's so late in the game like they're just like pushing at this point to finally get that person who is voted out returns and wins like i feel like they're going to keep doing it until that happens like that's going to be this like major exciting thing which i just don't see it being like that win is always going to have like an asterisk next to it because of the situation i mean we'll obviously have to see how it all plays out. We know nothing at this point, but it it definitely is a, you know, something that gets you talking. Um, mm-hmm. We're definitely curious to see how it does play out. I think sometimes that we're, you know, more skept- skeptical. Is that the word? Yes. At the, yeah. at the, um, you know, when we have no details and we just hear a name or a label or we see Kelly and Joe and we're like, oh, that's going to be bad. Um, I think we all said that about DBG. Um, yeah. And we thought that the... the or a logo that looks like a five-year-old drew it. Was that this logo that you hated? I'm not... Uh, well, to me, it kind of looks basic, but whatever. <laughs> I, I can't say that I've thought too much about the logos in recent <laughs> years. 
it's it's important. Look at it. it it's got a nice sketchy quality. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's one. That's one way to say. Form your own opinions and it. leave a comment on the Off Network. <laughs> Let us know what you think about this Survivor logo. Uh, I think that they've improved it for next season, though. Obviously, market improvement, right? Um, for next, what I'm confused. Next season logo. You don't think it's in better than the one we no, just I had? Think this, no, I think next is bad. Oh, I thought that you were talking about David vs Goliath. Oh. All right, now I gotta go. I thought you were talking about David. Hold on. No, David vs Goliath is is like a fine logo. Oh, now I see. Extinction looks like a five year old drew it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Anyway. Okay. Can't get worse. It's only gonna go up from here. Until <laughs> season forty. Yeah. Season 40 is going to be amazing. Um, anyway, we're talking about we're, we're done. I don't think we're going to have much more to say, unless you do. No, it's just expectations are low, but that's a good thing. That was a good thing this season. I feel like expectations were high for, like, Ghost Island. They were. And, like, it was trash anyway, but that didn't help that <laughs> expectations were, were, were up here. Um, but for this, like, I mean, everybody's expecting it to be terrible, so... I mean, even if it's bad, it'll be better than terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm still the kind of person who's like, even bad is good for me. Like, like I'm still not going to complain after. Like, yeah, I won't like yeah. it. Yeah, I won't like love it. I won't be like, oh my god, you know, Kelly Wentworth, the game, third game was amazing. Like, so like I'll be like, whatever. Like, move on. But I mean, this is definitely something that... old to return for season 40. Okay, if we have a... a... Edge, of <laughs> Edge of Extinction, too. Well, maybe it'll be so loved. Maybe we'll love it that it'll... We'll have no choice but to reuse it. But it'll be definitely interesting to see. It's something they haven't done before. Um, I don't know if it's been done in, a, in a, another international version, but it's definitely an interesting twist. I think it'll bring a lot of excitement and intrigue to the game. I don't know if it'll be the, whatever Jeff Probst called it, the, the flip the game on its head or whatever. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Mm, I think editing too will be interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, you're going to have people in the game and out of the game and and how how their like information is handled because I think that we talked about you know the fire making challenge in thirty five was a big blindside for them too whereas mm-hmm. it wasn't in future seasons like will this be a will they be expecting it will they be completely like outcast blindsided by it or do they know like obviously the title on their buffs is going to give something away <laughs> like but will they know every detail like kind of how much they know versus we know kind of thing is interesting as well. Jeff will uh, spin it somehow so that they don't know. This season is Edge of Extinction because you've always been in tough places in your life where you wanted to give up, but you didn't. You're on the edge of extinction, and that's why we cast you all. (laughs) Everybody fake applause, please. Yeah, and great sound effects supplying his background noise. But we have a lot to look forward to especially with the cast release coming out probably next week or who knows when, but it'll definitely be out probably by the time you're listening to this, it'll be out. So a lot to look forward to. It'll be back on our screen soon enough. Although I was enjoying the peaceful time of not watching it, but, um, but that'll do it for us. Thank you for your lovely, lively commentary and surprisingly Billy list commentary. No problem. I'll have to uh, make sure that Billy is awake for the next um, commentary. Oh, he's asleep. He sleeps a lot these days. Oh no. Oh, well. That's because Survivor isn't on his board. Oh, okay. So that's thank you everyone salt. for listening and staying tuned for our late, 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 late coverage that we're doing. Um, we barely remember the season, so we don't expect you to, but we hope you loved it. Um, stay tuned. Listen to other things. I don't know what we're recording. I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah.
think doing Star Trek right now. So listen to that. That'll do for us. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.